Okay, cool. All right. All right. I should be I should be ready to go. We'll see how I this did. goes. So, yeah, so I think we don't drone on on each topic. What do you mean by drone on? Like spend way too much time on a particular thing, you know, I think brev not brevity but keeping our points succinct and to the point, right? No tangents. That's the whole point of a podcast. It's like a tangent. Like we're not okay. just you well, know. No, sorry, I'm not using the right word. I was just thinking of trying to keep us from having coughing fits on the air. Oh, you'll be fine. All right. Well, yeah, then I'm fine. Let's do it. Yeah, no, I have I have faith. I have well, yeah, call it faith. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm ready we're fine. you are, babe. Okay, all right. So um yeah, I'll just count us in and uh, remember that I've got to uh, hit uh, the Ganzo read like right away. And then again, um, let's hit it again between segment two and three. Done. Cool. All right. Well, here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome into a a slightly sick, sort of still coffee uh, version of uh, Suspended Indefinitely. Um, took a couple weeks off. One, because uh, everybody was sick and literally couldn't speak. And um, two, because the wonderful flu that we all caught turned into um, a horrible cough and sore throat and fucking everything. And it was horrible. Uh, plus, it was the holidays. It was hard to coordinate with... Uh, with everyone to get back on, but here we are after a couple weeks off. So, um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're back to annoy you with our horrible takes and our unedited, uh, podcast. Um, so true yeah, that. true that. Um, I'm Justin Reschke joined here this week by Ryan Noonan. Uh, Alex Gratis is still not feeling too great and, um, had some things, uh, to wrap up this evening, um, after the holidays as it's, uh, Busy, busy time for us getting ready for our California Winter League season, which is what Alex and I do in our day jobs. So, um, but yeah, lots to talk about today. Um, big week in the NFL with uh, some more teams clinching. Um, some good games, some not so good games. Um, college football, uh, some bowl games that actually finally matter are just a few days away, which I can't stand all of the six and six teams versus no. each other. So, it's so uh, bad. It's so bad. I hate it so much. It's horrible. It's bad football and nobody likes it at all. Um, and uh, also some big moves um, and some big sort of moves and maybe not moves in MLB free agency to discuss as well. Um, we'll probably mix up the football a little bit in this episode. We'll probably go football, baseball, football, and then see kind of where that takes us. So, um, But of course, before we get started... Um, I do want to mention uh, our sponsor of this show, Ganzo. Uh, of course, you guys already know this by now. Ganzo is a cloud storage solution that allows users to easily drag and drop files to upload them to their accounts. Not only is it super easy, but it's also secure and affordable and allows users to back up all of their files without breaking the bank. 
Ganso offers reliable storage, fast transfers, and end-to-end encryption so you don't have to worry about security. You can easily share files with friends and family and store, share, and collaborate from any mobile device, tablet, or computer, which is perfect when you're traveling for the holidays. We got New Year's coming up. Maybe there were some new devices under the tree uh, last Sunday that you may have received. Don't forget, Ganso is going to work on all of them. Ganso is offering special holiday launch deals right now, as well as a free plan where anybody who wants to try Ganso can get five gigabytes of storage for free. That's right, five whole gigabytes of easy and secure storage for absolutely free. Ganso backs all of their plans with a 14-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk in trying their cloud storage services. Sign up today at ganso.io, that's G-A-N-S-O.io, and explore their affordable cloud storage solutions and claim your five free gigabytes of storage today. Sounds like a great solution if you're transferring files from an old device to a new one uh, around the holiday season. I know that we're all upgrading um, so yeah, certainly uh, happy to be sponsored by Ganzo. Um, yeah, speaking of holidays, uh, how was your Christmas, Ryan? Have some fun up there in the Bay? Yeah, man. Uh, well, you know, we have our we had our usual 49ers game shenanigans, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, you're still up there in the San Francisco Bay Area right now, right? Right, right. I fly home to Orlando tomorrow. Okay, cool. So, uh, luckily, thankfully, I'm not caught up in that Southwest mess that's going on right now. Dude, I can't fucking believe that. So Bro, uh, it's crazy. So Ryan and I fly Southwest uh, frequently, a lot, um, especially me going between Palm Springs and the Bay Area and Ryan being out there in Florida and uh, getting to the West Coast. We're very familiar with Southwest. Um, but wow, dude, I, I'm so glad that I, well, I mean, I'm not glad that I drove home. Um but uh, I'm glad that I'm not stuck in that mess. No, oh, dude. I yeah. I just there's I, I there's no way. <laughs> it was it was a uh, like a computer glitch or something or. No, I don't know what happened, but like it the some computers scheduling something or other just took a massive you know what everywhere, bro. And <laughs> the last thing that I saw, the last number that I saw is that 5,400 Southwest flights were canceled in 48 hours. Damn. Then I know that's people nuts. trying to get home or trying to go visit people. It was crazy. Well, if you're looking for an excuse to, uh, you know, ditch this week and take it off work because it doesn't matter because it's between Christmas and New Year's, uh, you know, just tell them that you flew Southwest. There you go. Yeah. And See, hopefully silver lining and everything. <laughs> well, sorry. Excuse me, everybody. <clears throat> but hopefully your luggage <laughs> doesn't end up in San Diego because Apparently, there's like stacks of luggage in San Diego that just had to be diverted there because nobody knew what to do with anything because it was just so backed up. Yeah, I saw those photos. Just like thousands of bags that oh, may, may never make it. That was the worst. But uh, but, anyway. dude, I know, I know someone whose bags are going to make it all the way to the NFL playoffs, and that's oh wait, the... oh, wait. pick me. I know, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, uh, who clinched? Would it be the Bolts, baby? Bolt up, baby. Los Angeles Chargers are back in the playoffs for the first team, first time since 2018, and I'm pumped. We've talked well, about it. I know it. why they made it. I know why they clinched. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, here we go. But, but pregame, your boy. Did you see the workout? No, you know I did. Your oh, boy yeah. Staley was doing some yoga and was arching that back, you know, before the game. And I think that was, he, that's, you know, that's what it took. Him, it was keeping him loose. and uh, He was arching the back. He was thrusting yeah. the hips. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he was, was he, he was doing the bull dance. He was feeling the vibe. He was feeling the vibe, and uh, you know, got a good job out of him on that one. 
it also helps that they played the Colts. Um, we're big fans of like Jeff the, fucking Saturday. Well, the Colts are like the living manifestation of a gimme win right now. So that was such bad football from them. It was like it was like the Chargers were scrimmaging. It like it looked like yeah. a walkthrough, like a Friday afternoon walkthrough, where you know Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, was just saying, "Okay, so like it's third and seven. Let's practice." You know a quick out route to Keenan Allen. Okay. We'll right. call that one complete. All right, let's move on. Like that's what it was like. They were just executing every single play perfectly. Um, dude, I don't know if you saw that play that um, the little flea flicker back to Herbert just no. hit him. Oh, he had an absolute dime down the <coughs> sideline of Keenan Allen should have been a touchdown, but uh, Keenan actually stepped out at the 23 yard line. But um, dude, yeah, if you find that highlight, it was pretty, it seems like there's one of those types of plays every single week at this point from from the social media quarterback, Justin Herbert. Well, and it seems like the Indianapolis Colts are going to become that team that all of us make fun of. You know, like the Raiders used to be the team that we all made fun of. Mm -hmm. I think now the Indianapolis Colts are going to be the team that we all make fun of because all the rest of the season is done is ensure that Jeff, you know who, Saturday, Jeff fucking Saturday, that guy, you know, he'll never get another coaching gig ever. No, he's he's already done. Ursay, I think um, they said on the broadcast that Ursay has already asked him to help assist uh, in the search at the end of the season. So, I mean, he was never going to be a permanent solution unless he came in and ran the table and somehow ended up right. in the playoffs. You know, I mean, it's happened before, like we saw it with Rich Bisecchia and the Raiders. So, you know, um, uh, but I mean, even Bisecchia didn't go on to get hired full time after that. So, which is an absolute joke. It is because Josh Josh McDaniels is not doing very well whatsoever um right in in uh, wow i almost said oakland yeah ah. we'll go with that he's not doing good in oakland he's not doing good in los angeles and he's not the doing raiders good in are vegas. so bad they're bad in multiple time zones mm -hmm. yeah they well vegas is in the same time zone but you know what i mean you know what i mean sometimes it doesn't seem that way right but dude yeah um <coughs> chargers are playing extremely well they're getting hot at exactly the right time they're finally healthy joey bosa might be back uh, maybe this weekend they expect him back in practice this week. So that's big news. Um, one thing that I do want to touch on, on the chargers that I think is cool as shit uh, that they've been doing the last few weeks. And I think it's helped the defense. So check this out. ESPN had a report today that Khalil Mack has been hosting dinners with the entire defense. And for the last couple of weeks, most of the offense um, at different uh, restaurants around Newport. So they've been to Mastro's ocean club. They've been to Nobu. Like they're not going to Popeye's chicken and firing it up, you know, and getting a bunch of number threes. They're Oof. doing it right. And I mean, dude, taking the whole team out to Masters Ocean Club. That is one healthy tab. Khalil Mack picks up the tab every single time. I guess um, a couple of the defensive guys were talking like, hey, you know, we should go out to dinner as a position group. And I think it started with just some of the defensive backs. And Khalil Mack said, well, you know, okay, you guys want to go out to dinner? let me take you out to dinner, but let's take the whole defense. Then the offense got wind of it, and they're like, hey, you know, we kind of want in on this too. And he's like, come on down. So I didn't realize this. Khalil Mack is playing on a $141 million contract right now that he's wait, got did, two years wait, left on. Wait, did Chargers give him that? No, that's what, um, that's what Chicago gave him. Oh, so he's finishing up the Chicago contract. Yeah, but he's, he's not a free agent until 2025. Really? Yeah, so he's got – He's got the money. I was thinking, I was like, wow, like is, is Khalil Mack really rolling that deep? Yes, he is. He's absolutely well, 
So let me ask Absolutely you this. Absolutely rolling that deep. Let me ask you this. By him forking over that dough and paying that uh, all those dinner tabs, which that is awesome. Now I want a steak. So thanks for bringing that up, you jackass. Well, dude, just go out Friday night in Newport and go try to find the Chargers. I'm, oh, I'm sure shit. that, you know. Yeah. You're, like, you're yeah, just tell them that, yeah. Tell them that you're Storm yeah. Norton's replacement. You're fine. Done. Third string, uh, third string, uh, you know, towel guy slash Dicker the Kickers uh, backup. Yeah. Uh, special teams uh, kick T retriever. <laughs> there you go. Now, let me ask you this, dude. Do you think all those dinners is uh, helping Staley save his job? Yeah. So I, I think that right now his job is safe for next year. I mean, it wasn't looking that great through the first like six, seven, eight weeks of the season. Um, but you've got to consider all the injuries that, you know, the Chargers have faced this year. You've got to consider um, a pretty tough schedule, you know, early on uh, with some teams that didn't look that great on paper, but have actually ended up going on to play extremely well. Um, Jaguars, you know, kind of being one of them early on. Um, right. But they got they got blown out by the Jaguars. And now all of a sudden, you know, Jaguars have surprised a lot of teams. Um, we saw it against the, the Cowboys last week in overtime. So um, I, I think it's a mixture of that, but they're heating up at the right time. Staley's a defensive guy. And that defense is on fire right now. You is know. he really? Is he a defensive guy? He's the offensive yeah. coordinator of the Rams. No, no, he was he was defense. Oh my bad. Okay, I got that mixed up. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so he he runs that defense, and um, Joe Lombardi runs the offense and calls all the plays. And oh, that's so that's calls another place. Yes. Got yes. it. Okay. And that's another issue with Lombardi. A lot of people still think that he should be fired because when you've got <laughs> You know, guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you can't call a fucking screenplay every <laughs> single play. And, you know, but the offense is finally clicking. They're finally healthy. The defense is finally playing the way that they well, should. Well, that's because you're getting people back, too. Yeah, they're they're going to get Joey Bosa back either this week or next week. So, yeah, that is – um, that's huge. That, Absolutely well, yeah. huge. Yeah, and – you know, I well, let me just say one other thing about Brandon Staley's job security. I think for all the reasons that she brought up before, I think that's going to buy him more leeway than everybody realizes. Number one, injuries, and he's clinched a playoff spot. I mean, come on. Yeah, playoffs. I mean, that's that's the the key word is the playoffs right. and Not getting to back to the playoffs for the first time since twenty eighteen. Yeah, that it was it was schedule. tough early on. It was tough early on, and right. um, you know the Broncos completely laying an egg for the whole season. Oh my God. That so certainly bad. helps in the division. So bad. The Raiders taking a step back actually from where they were last year, uh, despite the addition of <coughs> Devontae Adams, that certainly helps the division. Um, right. And it's really, you know, the chargers and the chiefs um, and the chargers have kind of had the chiefs number, you know, a little bit over the last uh, several years too. So it's good to see, you know, the chargers back up at the top uh, of the uh, AFC West. Dude, the Chiefs just bug me. I don't know why. I, I, they just do. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is like an annoying little muppet. You know, I don't. I just I don't know. Like I don't know if it's his brother or son. I don't know what it is. It's a whole family. It's a whole. It's family. a whole family, dude. That, just they just bug me. Fire him into the sun. No, oh, they just bug me. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, well, dude, talking about the AFC West, now we can move on to the NFC West. What and you? All right, man. Yeah, me and you were at the Niner game as is tradition on Christmas Eve. Um, thank you, NFL schedule makers, for setting it up like that more often than not to where the Niners play on Christmas Eve. So Ryan and I can go 
and binge drink uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, binge drinking. Um, well, first of all, you're making it sound a lot cooler than it actually was. We were binge drinking screwdrivers and vodka crayons. Yeah, you know, because beer was a little heavy. We were still recovering, you know, still had That's the flu it. and had to get some orange juice and some <laughs> cranberry and get that vitamin C going. So we're just trying to be healthy. That's all it that, is. Yeah, you know what? You Very, very eloquently put. I, I, I took the turn to negative town on that one, and I shouldn't have. Very, very well said. So, you know, thank you to the NFL schedule makers for allowing us to be healthy once again on Christmas Eve. Um, but, dude, like, the first half of that game, we were walking around Levi Stadium, and we were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, neither team can sustain a drive. It was a punt fest. Um, but then all of a sudden, in the, in the second half, the Niners just flipped a switch, and <laughs> yeah, Brock, Brock Purdy went off. My ass. Dude, Brock Purdy went off. Like, he found Kittle twice. Yep. Um, had an absolute dime of a throw. Uh, I think it was on their second touchdown right down the middle to Kittle. Um, dude, it was, it was beautiful. Is, Brock Purdy is going to single-handedly end the title of Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, he absolutely will. I mean, he'll 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 always have a job somewhere as a backup quarterback. That's his new floor. Trey he'll Lance be, better be scurred. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. What what happens now with Trey Lance? I mean, Niners clinched the division. You know, Brock Purdy's been playing arguably better than Garoppolo has at any point in the season back disagree. when he was healthy. Right. You and I are going to mo monumentally disagree on this, but that's fine. So <laughs> if I'm Trey Lance, I'm scared that I'm not going to be getting my job back. And I'll tell you why. Because Brock Purdy has gone from Mr. Irrelevant to the starting quarterback of an uh, NFL divisional playoff game, right? Mm-hmm. And not only that, he may also make the Niners have to face a difficult choice of two two choices. One, do we let Jimmy G walk because Brock is so good and we believe in him? And then two, do we cut our losses our losses with Trey Lance, trade him, and then make Brock the guy going forward because we've seen enough, right? Because from what I've seen is I've seen Brock take the keys to the offense in these pivotal games, not shrink from the spotlight, throw dimes to guys like Kittle and Ayuk, and like just like we saw at the game, right? Yeah, and, it's it's almost like he can just flip a switch and say, okay, we're going to go score now. Right, the moment's not too big for him, And whereas I think with Trey Lance, you saw a deer in the headlights. Mm -hmm. So I think the Niners are going to have to face a difficult decision about what to do because of the fact that Brock Purdy played so well. You know what it is, dude? In, 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 in a particular kind of way, maybe not the exact same way, but it's similar. It's uh, Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady all over again. Yeah, that's a good comparison. You know, I mean, Bledsoe was, you know, a little bit older and Brady didn't really have the pedigree, but it's a similar comparison because Purdy doesn't have that pedigree either. Right. But, I mean, Trey Lance, you know, how can you walk away from such a highly touted first round pick. I mean, his, his Jersey sales were, you know, one of the most popular ones um, in the whole league after he was drafted. But everybody um, knew that that everybody knew that that was going to be a, 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 not a reach, but that was going to be a pick that was dicey. It was, yeah, it was curious. I mean, you've got a guy who played what two football games over his last <laughs> like two years of college eligibility. Right. Because he of, had, I think he had because of COVID basically total starts. Yeah. And you know, 19 total starts in college 
And he's not, it's not like he's, you know, playing in the Big Ten or the SEC and he's facing NFL defenses. I mean, we, we say this all the time when we talk about him. He's, he's playing for an FCS school. He's playing for a very good one um, it, in, in, you know, North Dakota State that wins right. um, if they don't win the FCS championship. Um, I, I think they've been in the final four like 11 of the last 12 years or yep. something like that. There was some crazy stat. I actually I actually did turn on um, North Dakota State's last game uh, and watched it for a while. And it's like, I mean, dude, some of these offensive linemen, they're like, they've got to be like 240 pounds. Like they're, you know, it, it, it's, it's different looking football. Visually, you can look at it and you can be like, oh, this is like, this is a step below, you know, what like your power five football would look like. It looks Whoa. different on TV. And I can't imagine how different it looks with right. Trey Lance in the backfield, you know, when he's taking a snap, how different it looks for him being in the NFL. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think what happened with Trey Lance, and, and I think you said something similar to this before the league figured him out. Mm hmm. The league figured him out, and I think what happened with Carson Wentz is, is and has already happened with, well, I should say is happening and has already happened with um, Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. They figured him out because offenses at the FCS level are just, you know, they're just so, uh, not anemic, but they're just so much more subpar than what you see, like you said, in the Big Ten or the SEC. And North Dakota State always builds their roster to win the championship. That's their goal. And they're there. You know, they're playing for it if they're not winning it more often than not. You don't so, play defense in the FCS. No, there's there's very little defense. And it's they, they always have an, office, an, an awesome offensive line. Um, right. <clears throat> that's really kind of their bread and butter. And if you have a good offensive line against <laughs> subpar defense, you can stand back there and, you know, and, and pick apart these defenses. Right. But, I think that, you know, between Trey Lance not really playing, um, especially in this draft year, and the difference in skill between playing CS schedule and playing in the NFL, this is what you get. Everyone knew that he was going to be a project. Everybody said, hey, Kyle Shanahan, that's the right guy to develop a quarterback who is toolsy, but, you know, raw. And, you know, here we are. And I would say the Trey Lance is is still very raw and is still very right. undeveloped. Um, and it's just like, okay, you know, like where where do we, you know, kind of draw that line? And it's should have only, taken Justin Fields. Should have taken Justin Fields. I mean, I think that Justin Fields probably would have been the first quarterback off the board if you could go back and do a redraft of that class. <laughs> um, yeah, Mac Jones is garbage. Sorry, but he is. Yeah, no, he is. And I mean – it's only, it's only been since 2021 that you know that we that we've had Trey Lance. So just two right. seasons at this point. But when he's on the field, he looks very. He still looks very raw. He still looks very shaky. And the injury bug has already bitten him a few times. And yeah, it's but like, that's because he's a head case when he gets when he's <laughs> ball. He's a head case, and he puts his body in positions where he'll get the snot beat out of him. And yeah, then, he's he's not yeah. going to outrun defenders. No. At this level. So somebody told him that he's going to have to learn how to be a quarterback instead of just being an athlete. So you talk about a guy who's going to be a perpetual backup for the rest of his life. I'll bet you money that's going to be Trey Lance. Because well, I'm, I'm I mean, a, let, let, let me just say one other quick thing. I bet because you asked me what you think I'm going to, what is going to happen with the quarterback situation. Mm -hmm. I will bet you Trey Lance ends up being Brock Purdy's backup going forward. You book it. 
Four years, $34 million. Yeah, it's a high price backup. $22 million signing bonus. Yep. So 22 of that's guaranteed. So, I mean, yeah, pricey backup um, if that's <laughs> the route that they want to go. But here's here's what I see happening. I think that Garoppolo's gone. And I think they'll, they'll let him you, walk. Yeah, he's he's out. You go into camp with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, and you you just open it up and you say, Hey, this is a quarterback battle. Both of you guys are battling. And if Trey Lance shows any sort of potential at all, you know, any sort of development from this year to next year, I think that you have to give him the football to start, but he'll be on a very short leash. And of course, you know, there's still the injury bug. Um well, you've got, got Brock Purdy right there, you know, ready to go. Should anything happen with Trey Lance from a productivity or an injury standpoint, so well, yeah, I, I think that's a great situation to be in. Yeah, definitely. But also knowing <clears throat> Bay Area sports fans the way we do, how much you want to bet they're going to start screaming for Brock Purdy very, very quickly. Oh yeah, of of course they will. You know, um, especially we'll see how far. Brock Purdy goes this year. You know, okay. So if if the Niners win the fucking Super Bowl on the back of Brock Purdy, is Brock Purdy automatically the starting quarterback in San Francisco next year? Yes. I think he has to be. I think he I has think to he be. I think he has to be because they're going to give him no choice. Yeah. He's going to give them no choice. It's it's a similar situation. Um, I was just looking at the rundown of games from, from this week. Um, but it's a similar situation to Zach Wilson in New York. Cause it sounds like his time in New York is over and you've got Mike white, you know, unheralded the guy behind him who came in and lit it up. Well, and then you have Zach, Zach Wilson, who, you know, thinks that nothing is his fault because he's the number two overall pick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I'm one of the jets offensive linemen, I'm not blocking for his ass. No, I mean, there's, there's, there's those rumors too, but it sounds like his time, you know, at least starting for the jets is done for now. And Mike White's going to get the start this uh, this week now that he's healthy. So it's kind of a similar situation. It's I'm, I'm surprised that the Jets are, you know, letting it out publicly. And, I mean, it's kind of hard not to after you bench a guy, but still. Yeah, well, the Jets are going to be the Jets. And plus, you know, I think there was uh, a tagline that was given um, to Zach Wilson throwing bombs and banging moms, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the SS throwing bombs and banging moms is leaving New York and not looking back. I, they, I don't think they, they want any part of him anymore, and I don't blame him. Yeah, wh- what was his signing bonus? So let's see, Trey Lance had a $26 got... million dollar signing bonus. Um, it's got to be north of that. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I would say it's going to definitely be north of 22 if that's what Trey Lance got as the number three overall pick. His, his fully guaranteed money is, is 35.1. So yeah, it's up there with Trey Lance. So right, um, slightly more than than Trey Lance, but more money guaranteed. So that's um, yeah. I'm, Somebody is going to have to humble that kid quick. Four years, yeah. <laughs> so that's um, that's that's going to be interesting in New York. Definitely going to be interesting in San Francisco. Uh, two teams that are you know kind of on different trajectories. Um, man, that Niner defense. I don't see how anybody. Just looking at the NFC playoff teams, I don't see how anybody is going to match up with the 49ers and and that defense. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, maybe like maybe you look at the Vikings. They're maybe the best team in football right now. 
It's got to be either. No, them. man, you're overlooking. No, 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 no. What about the Eagles? Yeah, Eagles, but I mean they've they've kind of cooled off. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say they cooled off. I think they're coming off a loss. Yeah, they but that was have, Gardner Minshew, and Gardner Minshew put 34 points up on the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, oh shit. Well, I mean, Bills have won six in a row here. Bengals have won seven in a row. So I mean, there's there's a lot of good teams heating up. You know, 49ers eight in a row. So, but just looking at the NFC and the 49ers. They'll probably have to go through the Eagles. Um, oh, yeah, see. Eagles get number one overall seed for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, Philadelphia, let's say that Jalen Hurts comes back and is 100%. That's that's a very intriguing matchup, actually. Eagles offense against Niners defense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, just taking a look here, what else we got going on. Coming off of week 16, I thought that week 16 sucked in the NFL. Um, you, oh, it was horrible. You had some good, you know, anecdotal things going on um, with Brock Purdy having another good performance <laughs> and the Chargers clinching. Well, and, and then um, whose acid trip was it to put the Chargers and the uh, Colts on Monday Night Football? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why anybody thought that that was going to be God, that was a stupid. good idea. The only thinking is that, like, I mean, maybe – since the Colts play in the worst division in football, they were maybe thinking, okay, like the Colts were coming off of a decent year um, where they just missed out on clinching a playoff spot. So they were thinking, okay, maybe like with that AFC South division, there's still going to be a playoff spot up for grabs. And in the, in the AFC, you know, maybe not in the AFC West because the chiefs, but in the, in the AFC overall, you know, that game could have been a game where maybe it decides a wild card spot with those two teams. So, um, I mean, probably not with, you know, the Colts in the AFC South, but the Colts, maybe, maybe they're still playing for the lead in that division. And maybe the chargers are going for a wild card spot. So like from that standpoint, I could see it, but overall it's like, why is that the Monday night game? The, The only other thing that I could think of is people like it's the holidays. They're traveling home from Christmas. Not a whole lot of people are going to be in front of the TV Monday night. I know I was stuck in traffic. So it's like, okay, maybe yeah. we just put a game on here and we save some of the better games for Saturday and Sunday when people are sitting around with their families and we just kind of write off Monday night and we just kind of bury it. So right, could be. But I mean, like looking at all these other games, Giants and Vikings, that, was, that one was a good one. That was a lot closer than it should have been. Vikings get the win there um, at home. 27 to 24 giants are scrappy. I mean, if the giants end up in the playoffs, I think that they're one to watch out for because they've, they've won a lot of games this year that they had no business winning. And they've also kept it close in a lot of games, you know, where they probably had no business keeping it close, just like this one in Minnesota. Right. Well, you're definitely right. I mean, a Brian Dable coach team um, is definitely scrappy. And I think that's going to be a dark horse team to look out for in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, he's he's got that team fired up, and I mean, it's it's kind of reminiscent of all these other giant teams that have won, you know, Super Bowls over the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, well, and don't let the Giants' record fool you. They were on the receiving end of some crappy, crappy results. Yeah, exactly, and it's like you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, when they knocked off an undefeated Patriots team. It's like nobody no one even picked them to really end up in the super bowl that year and then they end up you know eli ends up beating tom brady um 
David Tyree, Helma Catch, and you know the rest is history. So this team kind of has those sort of vibes to it a little bit. Yeah, definitely, dude. No doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, just these other games. I I watched a lot of football Saturday and Sunday, but it was it was not good football. Yeah, um, nothing Texans, that left me on the edge of my seat. Texans get their second win of the season over the Titans. Oh my god, you talk about a team that is so bad. Texans are <laughs> Texans are horrible, but a lot of people had um, a lot of people had Titans as kind of a dark horse Super Bowl favorite earlier in the season because of their defense and because of, you know, Tractor Cito and Derrick Henry and the way that he was able to take over a game. But, like, my goodness, they are just not playing very good football. Dude, if they – if the Texans – if the Texans take Bryce Young, I mean, I, I worry about the longevity of his career because that is just not a good place to play. Yeah, I mean, Houston could turn it around quickly. You know, they'll be drafting at – or near the top of the draft. No, they clinched um, the number one overall pick. Or is that the Bears? Uh, no, it's not the Bears. Bears have more than two wins. So yeah, it's it's got to be. Yeah, I mean Bears. Well, Bears. The Bears have three wins. So um, I guess it would still be up for grabs at that point. But yeah. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll be up there. There's going to be any quarterback available, you know, at the top of the draft, wherever they end up picking. Um, they. You know, maybe they don't like what they see a quarterback the way that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud kind of played down the stretch. Um, so maybe they decide to trade that pick, pick up some more draft capital. Maybe they go after, you know, one of the defensive linemen, uh, one, one of the edge rushers that's going to be available, um, like a Will Anderson. So, you know, there's <coughs> a lot of possibilities there. Um, has, has Will Anderson declared? I don't think he's um, declared for the draft yet. Well, you know well enough by now that I don't really pay much attention to Alabama football because I'd rather watch paint dry. But yeah, I don't think no he he hasn't declared for the draft yet. Yeah, but I would imagine that he would. But you never know. Maybe he wants to come back and have you know a dominant season and um, have a shot at an, another national championship and really have a shot at going first overall. So that that might be one. Um, but he'll, you know, he would certainly be there for the Texans as well. So it's just like, all right, do they want to go offense? Do they want to go defense? Because they have to absolutely hit a home run with this draft pick um, to start rebuilding that franchise. Because sitting there at two and twelve right now is, you know, embarrassing. Yep. Or sorry, two twelve and one. They even have a tie, so that's that's even more embarrassing. But um, yeah, Tennessee Titans—they've lost five in a row, and they've let the the very winnable AFC South. Like we we talked about this just briefly touching on Mike Vrabel and you know would he be a target for Ohio State if they wanted to move on from Ryan Day and all that? Yes, yes they would, but and, I'm the minority well, on that one. But we said exactly why would why would Mike Vrabel walk away from an NFL job with the Tennessee Titans where he's loved and he's in the most winnable division in football? But here he we wouldn't. are, and you know the the Titans are in, in second place in the AFC South at seven and eight to the Jacksonville Jaguars who are also seven and eight um, Jaguars on a three game winning streak. So that's going to be another race to watch um, in that division. Titans should have been Titans should have walked away with it by now, but you can't drop games, you know, week 16 to the Houston Texans and just expect to be a playoff team. Right. Um, outside of that, I was excited to watch the Raiders 
and the Steelers on Saturday night. Um, I thought that that was going to be a good matchup. Uh, it was a cold game. There was some weather going on. There was a little bit of snow. That's exactly the kind of game that you want to see on Christmas weekend. Uh, two historic franchises. I thought that they played up the immaculate reception angle way too much. I was by the way, the NFL Net- well, the NFL Network cut away from all that stuff and got crushed. Oh, did they? <laughs> oh, yeah. dude. They got absolutely <laughs> just destroyed on Twitter um, <laughs> for cutting away during the uh, the Franco Harris tribute. Oh yeah, see, yeah. Oh I my didn't... god, dude. Well, I mean, there was a lot of talk about the immaculate reception for sure. Yeah, well, that um, was all the build but, up the whole week. Yeah, but you know what, dude? You and I are Steelers fans, so that we we don't know no. about that. So that obviously maybe not doesn't mean as much to us as it does to diehard Steeler fans, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, granted, just like how our teams have traditions that don't mean jack shit to anybody else, mm-hmm. but it means a lot to us. So, you know, did they play up the Immaculate Reception a lot? Sure they did. But, you know, I, I can understand why, because the Pittsburgh Steelers are a storied franchise. We may not get it, but, you know, others do. And whether or not we realize it, he was a pivotal part of – um, he was a pivotal part. Franco Harris, that is, was a pivotal part of NFL history. And that was just an all, all-time moment. So I Dude, for was, one, don't think they overplayed it. I thought it was... Well, very- I don't think that they overplayed it like after he passed away, but it was crazy how that was the whole storyline surrounding this game of it's it's a rematch on, you know, on the anniversary or very close to the anniversary um, of that play. And they were building it up like that before Franco Harris passed away. And then Franco Harris passes away like four days before the game. So you've got like this whole other angle. So yeah, I was, you know, super sad to hear that, that he passed away, but you know, the, the executives must've just been licking their chops with, you know, all the storylines that, that they can now get out of it. Right. But I thought it was going to be a much better game. I mean, Steelers pull it out 13 to 10 and it's not, it, it, it wasn't even like an entertaining, like winter snow weather game where like both defenses are just like playing nails. And you know, there's, there's a lot of big hits and sack. It, like it, it wasn't that at all. It was just boring football. So yeah. again, you know, I don't know what's going on with the NFL this season. We had a few weeks there where like, I mean like last week's games were, in, were amazing. And then we have an absolute stinker, of a week 16, but you know, we'll see what we get um, going forward the rest of the way. There's still a lot of playoff spots um, up for grabs. Personally, I would like to see the giants clinch. Um, I like those scrappy teams that kind of get in last minute. Um, You know, Cowboys ended up uh, clinching as well. So you might have two teams from the NFC East in the playoffs. Um, Actually, sorry, three teams from the NFC East in the playoffs, which is absolutely, um, unheard of in recent history. So that um, that's interesting. So, you know, still a lot to look forward to. Um, but yeah, you know, I probably time to move on a little bit. Um, I definitely want to, you know, talk about MLB free agency. Then we'll come back and talk a little bit of college fo- football to wrap things up. But um, dude, what, what is this Carlos Correa mess? So, this is insane. You know, dude, I was thinking about this. And first of all, my, my initial impression was <laughs> the Giants signed him to that absurd deal. And I was like, okay. 
But then they backed out of it, citing the 2014 ankle. And, and then I was like, okay, well then why would you, why would you do that? And then back out of it to save face. But then you told me that being a Boris guy, he won't show or share any medicals unless there's a deal on the table. So I was like, okay, I understand that. That's fine. But well, yeah, you know, it's like good for the Giants that they gave themselves an out in that deal, right? Yeah, players players don't take physicals until there's a deal in place because right. team doctors aren't allowed to work with players that aren't you know that that aren't part of the organization, and you know it's always it's always they've agreed to a deal pending the physical. Like that's that's always the case. So this was you know usually it's 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 no big deal. Usually physicals don't you know. It's just a standard, okay, let's get you in here. Let's let our team doctors take a look at you. And, you know, let's let's look at those medicals. But you're right. Boris doesn't disclose medical information about his clients unless unless there's a big obvious, you know, risk where, you know, let's hypothetically, let's say he's got a client that's coming off of two Tommy John surgeries. You know, he would want to pass out those scans to every team in, in the league and say, oh, look, look how strong it healed. You know, look, there's no scar tissue. You know, look, he's he's throwing bullpens and he's throwing harder than he's ever thrown before, and he's in the best shape of his life. In that case, yeah, you know, build the medicals up. But for a guy like Carlos Correa, who has you know been relatively healthy, you know, for the majority of his career, and he's been extremely productive the last few years, um, if there is something in that medical history, you know, like this this ankle injury from 2014 that keeps popping up, that could be something where you're like, okay, you know, like let's. That was eight years ago. We don't need to worry about it. You know, let's not mention that. You know, Boris isn't going to say, oh, okay, San Francisco Giants. Yeah, you're going to offer us three, $350 million? Okay, thank you. But you really might want to think about this ankle injury from 2014 before you do that. So, right. But it's, it's such a weird situation because, I mean, you've got, you know, the news breaking um, that Correa is going to the Giants and it seemed to happen, you know, fairly quick. And then just as quick as, as the news breaks that he's going to San Francisco and that they're using all that money that they had saved for Aaron Judge, they're going to use it on Carlos Correa. Then all of a sudden, right before the press conference, it comes out that there was an issue with the medicals. The press conference is canceled and Correa is back on an airplane. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. What was it that you were um... – because I think you use you use the term conspiracy theory, and I wasn't sure what you meant by that. So here's my theory. All right. So Mets owner is Steve Cohen. He's a hedge fund guy. Okay. That's how he made his billions. So what does a hedge fund do? You look for any sort of information whatsoever that you can get about a company and about its stock, and you try to predict how that stock's going to move. And I mean, hedge funds, like they'll use satellite imagery of Walmart parking lots to predict how busy a Walmart is in a particular quarter so that when that earnings report comes out, they can be ahead of it and they can either buy that stock or short that stock depending on how they think earnings are going to go. That's what a hedge fund does. It, it takes, you know, it takes millionaires money and billionaires money and it pools it all together and it says, okay, you know, we're going to invest in this company, but if we invest in this company, we're going to hedge our bet. That's why it's called a hedge fund. And we're also going to invest in their competitor. And then we're also going to, you know, short some of these stocks as well, just to cover all of our bases. When you're playing with billions of dollars in a hedge fund, you can do all that. So what I'm getting at, Steve Cohen, he understands leverage. And 
what he my my theory, just a theory, not even really an right. opinion, just a theory. I think what he may have been doing is creating some leverage for the Mets to sign Carlos Correa, not even at 315 million. So 315 was less than Correa had agreed to with the Giants at 350 uh, million. Um, it was it was one year less, or sorry, one year more um, in in term and less money overall was was the Mets deal in comparison to the Giants deal. So he's already coming in with a lesser amount, still way north of 300 million though. But if he says okay, it's already leaked that there's this ankle injury from 2014 and that it doesn't look good on a physical. If the Mets come in with a deal, $315 million, they get Correa to agree to it. Of course they do. So Correa agrees to it. Then they have their team doctors check out Correa and they say, oh, oh, you know what? Yep, there's that ankle injury. We're seeing the same thing with that surgically repaired right leg. Yep, we're we're going to agree with the San Francisco Giants and say that there's something weird with that physical. You know, now maybe this deal doesn't get done. So now you've got two teams that have both offered north of 300 million that have both been turned off by that physical. So in the meantime, in the meantime, Dansby Swanson signs. He was the last, you know, sort of elite level shortstop that was available on the market. So you let, you let Dansby Swanson come off the market. You hold Correa hostage with a $315 million deal. And then all of a sudden you say, Oh, we don't like the medicals. We don't like the physical, you know, we're going to think about this deal. Well, now where else does Correa go? He's got nowhere else to go. Well, he's, and I bet he's you got I no know how that, did you know how that's going to end up? He's going to file a grievance. You just watch. Well, I, it's, it's certainly possible, you know, if the yeah. players union gets involved, but now I mean, they're gonna claim, well, they're going to claim collusion. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's collusion, <laughs> but it's not because the giants no, no, are the ones I'm not that, saying it is. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's what he's going to claim. I think that, the Giants could really get in trouble here and getting in information about free agent deals going forward is going to be a hell of a lot harder because I yeah. think that there, there really needs to be a system in place for a situation like this where it, it leaks, um, not even really leaks. It just comes out that the deal was going to fall through because of a physical. And then all of a sudden that puts a team like the Mets in the driver's seat. It puts any team in the driver's seat. The Oakland A's could have said, Hey, Carlos Correa, we're going to offer you $370 million to come to Oakland. They know full well that when he gets to Oakland, (coughs) their doctors are going to take a look at him and say, oh, yeah, we don't like that ankle. Sorry, that deal's off the table. Well, you know who I think could get in trouble with that too? It's a bargaining chip. I mean, somewhere – I don't know the ins and outs of contract negotiation, but I just – I feel like – Boris doing it that way is just a little dirty. Well, he's he's not doing it. He's having it done to him. No, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about how medicals only become available to a team when there's a deal on the table. Well, I mean, there's yeah, there's there's that aspect of it too. But you know, I mean, I I think that this is just a brilliant move by Steve Cohen to say, okay, yeah, you know what what kind of a deal do you want? Three hundred fifteen million. Okay, cool. Here's a three hundred fifty million dollar deal. Yeah, let's agree to it. Yeah, fine. You know, let's announce it at three o'clock in the morning. Let's get you out here. Let's, you know, let's look at you. And then all of a sudden it's oh, you know, we don't we don't like the physical here, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe this deal this doesn't get done. Situation. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the 13 million dollar or uh, 13 year um 
deal or you know a 12-year deal or this this super long-term deal for Correa, it wouldn't surprise me if that's off the table because who knows what that ankle is going to be looking like in 13 years. So you've got a situation where now, you know, maybe the Mets can come back and say, okay, well, you know, now we're only interested in signing you, you know, to an eight-year deal and we'll give you more money per per year. But you know, ultimately, you know, the the total money over the length of the contract is going to be a lot less than than 315 million. You know, I mean, if if you just go eight and 35, I mean, that's 280 million right there. So, right. you know, maybe the Mets coming in knowing that there was an issue, offering a contract, saying, "Oh, we see the same issue. The deal's off the table." I mean, now who's who's going to come in with one of these, you know? 11, 12, 13 year deals for Correa when you know that that those physicals and, and those medicals aren't going to look right. Right. So I I still think that he ends up as a Met. I think that the Mets just saved themselves at least 30 to 40 million dollars on the total, you know, on the bottom line of the deal. And whether that was intentional or not, you know, maybe we'll never know, but they're certainly in the in the driver's seat right now. It's just a mess, dude. It's just an absolute mess. It's it's interesting because it does happen. It happens all the time, especially with pitchers, especially with guys that have, you know, some sort of orthopedic injury that's been operated on. Um, you see it a lot with back injuries. Teams get concerned about, but to have it happen in this high profile of a manner, when you're talking about two contracts now north of three hundred million dollars, um, that part of it is all unprecedented. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, ultimately, you know, kind of what happens. Um, but dude, this is this is the year of the shortstop for free agency. I mean, Carlos Correa, he's going to get you know his money. He'll be fine. May not be 13 years, but whatever it is. Um, but dude, all these other contracts that these shortstops are getting are just insane. Like I I I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, so you know my opinion on Dansby Swanson already. For those of us, those of you listening who don't know, I. I I have a love-hate relation. Actually, no, I really don't even have that much of a relationship with his agent. I thought his agent was the dirtiest agent in the game. I thought he has a vendetta against Oakland or against Atlanta, and I know you and I both vehemently disagree on that. Um, I had, uh, you know, I had a thought that he was going to, you know, when I found out that Dansby Swanson was coming up against free agency, I said, oh, great, you know, his agent's going to purposely find a way to steer his client out of Atlanta because of the mess that was the Freddie Freeman situation. And I was like, this guy's going to hold a grudge. I, I can already tell. But then when I found out that Dansby Swanson's wife plays for the NWSL franchise in Chicago, and then he signed with the Cubs, I was like, okay, that I can let go. And then I saw the numbers and I thought to myself, okay, I love Dansby. He was a hell of a player, hell of a bat. But that that that's that deal. Uh, uh-uh. I'm not good with that with those numbers for him. I, I mean, I personally thought the the amount that um, Austin Riley got was even a little high. But because Austin Riley got ten years, two hundred twelve and a half million from the Braves, right, to buy out all of his um, arbitration. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out that Dansby got six for one seventy from the Cubs, I was like, oh man, that's awfully high. I feel like they kind of panic bid and overbid, you know, to, just to make sure to land them. Because what else did they do during free agency? They didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I it stung, but I, I, I understood it. 
Yeah, it was um, SportTrack has it as uh, seven years and 177 million. Oh, I only saw six for 170. Maybe I read that wrong. Yeah, or, I mean these, you know, these things are always yeah seven and 177. Um, includes a seven million dollar signing bonus, 177 million dollars guaranteed, and an annual average salary of 25.2 million for for Dansby Swanson. I mean, is that is that a fair deal? Is that just kind of, you know, what what a a premium shortstop is worth in the league? I mean, you you well, saw him play in Atlanta for a number of years, you know, is is he really that much of a difference maker? Considering the fact that um I you know, you're going you're not going to find a Braves fan alive who does not think that he was a dark horse MVP candidate or should have been. Mm-hmm. Um I guarantee you Braves fans everywhere are going to be like, yeah, he played so well that he priced himself out of a deal with Atlanta, you know, because they signed all those guys already in front of him. And he priced himself out of Atlanta with that deal. I guarantee you Atlanta probably would have gone maybe six for 150, something similar to what Freeman got in, in mm-hmm. LA. But I think the way that Dansby Swanson finished the year basically just on fire. I think he had such a good year that he totally priced himself out of a free agent deal with Atlanta to resign. Yeah. And and, what that happens sometimes it stings, but you know, I guarantee you also, you're going to find Braves fans, not a single Braves fan would have wanted them to pay that much for him. Atlanta's never really been a franchise to hand out like mega contracts. No, 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 no. Not never really big. Yeah. They've handed out big contracts, but they don't go for like the top of the market guys even if it's somebody that they're looking to extend, you know, they, right. They're, well, they're let me give you a little insight. Let me give you a little insight into this. Okay. So back when the biggest free agent deal I've ever seen Atlanta hand out, right. We're not going to talk about the BJ Upton deal. Cause that was just a farce from the, from the very get go. So we're, we're going to leave that one out on purpose. All right. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at, so this is back in the Chipper Jones years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Chipper, Free agent, you know, or uh, lifelong brave, you know, didn't go anywhere, spent spent his whole career with the team. When it came time for them to re-sign him, I want to say this is circa uh, 2007, give or take a few years. I can't remember exactly the year. Mm -hmm. They gave him seven years and $93 million. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I had never seen the Braves give a free agent deal that that high, right? Because after that deal expired, they re-signed him six or uh, three years, forty-two million, blah blah blah, up until his retirement. And then um, Freddie Freeman got eight years and a hundred and twenty, I want to say, million. I think it was uh, one thirty-five because. I'm oh, sorry, one thirty-five. Excuse me, one thirty-five. Yeah, he because then then that that became the largest contract replacing Chipper Jones. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that became the largest contract, and that's the one that. I, and then I see what Alex Anthopoulos is doing, locking in all the Braves' starting talent for you know years and years and years, because when he locked up Acuna the way he did, and he locked up um, Ozzy Albies, and you know, but then he starts spending all this money on Austin Riley. I'm saying okay, and then he spends all this money on Matt Olson. I'm like okay, here's. I, I don't really see a uh, you know a financial pathway 
to be able to go and get a guy like Swanson and re-sign him because I think he had such a good year that somebody's going to be the odd man out. So luckily we have um, we have a guy like Von Grissom who now that Ozzy Albies is coming back, he's going to switch. Uh, he's going to come back to second. Von Grissom has spent the entire offseason in New Orleans with Ron Wash. Oh, working, Gold Glover. Right now, working at shortstop. Yep. That's the so recipe. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. But that one still stings because Dansby was such a mainstay mm-hmm. and he's an Atlanta guy. And, you know, with the, he just, he was beloved by all, by the whole team or by all the fans. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think there's still a lot of animosity toward his agent because nobody believes anything his agent says. But, I think you also have to look at it from the standpoint of what's best for his family. And if his wife is in Chicago, then he's got to go be with her because, you know, they're going to probably start a family here pretty soon. Yeah. And I mean, you, you mentioned Grissom. Um, They also locked up Austin Riley to the deal that has now replaced uh, the Freeman deal as the largest in Atlanta's history, 10 years to 212 million um, for Austin Riley. So, I mean, that they've, they've already invested in the left side of, of that infield. Um, well, they invested in a whole infield. I mean, the only person because I think Von Grissom got a deal d- d- throughout the last through the in, during the last mm-hmm. season because they've seen enough. And I they mean, still got Albies locked up, and they still got Acuna locked up. So yeah, they're they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. It's just you know, just being a diehard. I mean, you're, you're a diehard baseball fan. You know, you, you've lost some beloved players to trades and free agency before, and it just you know it sucks to see them go because you spend so much time cheering them on and then they're going up, up and gone just right after that. Yeah. But I mean, but I get it. You know, it's still a business at the end of the day. And like, I'm, (laughs) I'm way more impressed with a team that can win efficiently instead of just have, you know, a $300 million or what the Mets are going to have next year, North of a $400 million payroll. It's like, that's, it's cool to see all those guys on the same team. And it's cool to see a team like that go on a run all the way through the playoffs when all those guys are on fire and they're clicking like it's good baseball. But I would rather see a team win with, you know, an $80, $90 million payroll, you know, something, yeah, you know, toward the bottom third of the league. That's way more impressive when you're able to construct a roster, um, a playoff roster or even a World Series roster with that type of a payroll. That's where it gets really interesting is finding that efficiency, at least for me. So, but yeah, I mean, some of these other deals like – uh, we we've talked about Trey Turner, you know, eleven years, three hundred million. All uh, that money to finish behind to the, the Phillies, and the Braves in the division. It's just so sad. <laughs> Xander Bogarts like comes out of nowhere to the San Diego Padres. I mean, talk about a stacked infield. Eleven <laughs> years, two hundred eighty million dollars for Xander Bogarts. They got Bogarts. They got Tatis. They got Maldonado. Like that's insane. That's that's nuts. And then, you know, Dansby Swanson just signing uh, this past week, seven years, $177 million, obviously, like we touched on. Um, it's just like teams are spending for shortstops. And I'm wondering if this is kind of a result of the shift being outlawed next year. Because if you look at all these guys, Correa, Turner, Bogart, Swanson, they're all elite level defenders. Like you're, you're not just buying a bat, you know, with these guys. All these guys have a, have good bats, especially for a shortstop, but they're all elite defenders. So do you think that this rule change of outlawing the shift, you know, really puts a lot more emphasis on having a strong defensive shortstop? And that's why yes. we're seeing some of these deals? Yes. 
Yeah, because, I mean, you, yes, the shift being outlawed is is changing the game. Do you do you like that rule? I don't. I hated the shift. Honestly, God, I thought it was so stupid. I mean, I I can go both ways on it because I think it does open the door for you know for defense being back in the spotlight. Um, we we really lost track of you know elite defenders in the game um, outside of maybe like your top <laughs> like two or three guys you know at each position. Good defense was just not really appreciated over the last decade or so. Um, and I think that the shift has a lot to do with that because you don't have to make a crazy play, um, you know, when when a left-handed hitter rolls over and hits it right into the, into the middle of three guys, you know. Um, so I like that it'll put more focus back on defense. Um, I think that we're seeing that with some of these free agent deals. That's probably, you know, kind of the underlying thing why we're seeing all these shortstops get these, these mega deals. Um, but I think that it makes it too easy for hitters because – if if you're a big rollover guy, if you're a pull only guy, then I think that there is something to be said for adjusting your swing and learning how to hit and go the other way with the ball. That's a skill too. So I would almost rather see that skill developed at the plate so that we start seeing better hitters. And, you know, that's like we haven't seen a guy like a to- a a Tony Gwynn, you know, um, or even like an Ichiro, you know, guys the battle, they don't strike out. Everybody is so power happy and they're so pull happy in today's game that they lose really the art of hitting. And I think that if you keep the shift in the game, you would see some hitters really work on their swing and really work on going the other way so that you start to see some prettier swings that are built more for coverage and contact rather than just for power. Yeah. Well said, dude. So that's that's kind of my my gripe with it. But, you know, if there is more of a of an emphasis on defense with all these shortstop deals, then, you know, that's a positive coming out of it. Um, and hopefully we can talk about, you know, why these guys are elite defenders instead of just saying, oh, well, you know, Carlos Correa, you know, he'll hit over 300 with 20 home runs and he'll steal 20 bases. And I mean, there's, there's definitely more to the game than that. So hopefully it does put more of an emphasis back on strong individual defense. Right. But um, I mean, yeah, just, Wrapping up shortstops there. Um, big news today with uh, Nate Eovaldi signing with the Texas Rangers. Um, Rangers are a team that has, you know, really gone after um, some top level starting pitching this year. Uh, they signed, you know, Jason DeGrom um, earlier uh, in the offseason, or sorry, uh, Jake DeGrom earlier in the offseason. Um, huge signing for them. A lot of people looked at that deal early on and they're like, wow, that's a lot of money for Jake DeGrom. Um, guy with an injury history. But now, you know, compared to what the shortstops are getting paid, that deal, I mean, for the best free agent pitcher available, maybe it doesn't look so bad this late into free agency. Well, so, but the thing about DeGrom that kind of throws me off is, I'm well, First, I wonder why in the hell would you go to the Texas Rangers, the most irrelevant franchise in the AL West right now? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, yeah, they so, are. So, uh, you know, except, I mean, if it's nothing more than just for the money and not having to pay the state income tax, right? So that one threw me off because every, uh, you know, I mean, I read all kinds of rumors that, you know, he wanted to be courted by Atlanta, but then I don't think Atlanta could have afforded him. And I don't even think Atlanta needed him because they were so deep on starting pitching. So I just thought that really the Texas Rangers was kind of a random choice. 
I didn't see the logic behind it. Do you know something that I don't about that? No, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you know, there's 185 million reasons why, you know, DeGrom may have wanted to take that deal, but it could have been as simple as the Rangers were the only team that were willing to go to a fifth year. Um, it could have been that, you know, the the average annual value of that contract just blew everybody else out of the water. I mean, Jacob DeGrom is 34 years old. Like, So you think it was an overbid? Because he's 34 with an injury history, absolutely I do. I mean, this is going to take him um, into his age 40 season. So average salary per year of $37 million. They're going to be paying a 40-year-old pitcher $37 million. And that's to, insane. And to pitch in Texas – which, I mean, it's not Oakland. You know, there's not that marine layer. The ball flies there. They have a brand new stadium. It's covered. The ball still flies there. So it's it's going to be interesting, you know, for the next two or three years. I think it's – I don't. I still don't think it's a good deal, but it's, it's a deal, you know. You'll get the most value out of DeGrom in his age, you know, 34, 35, 36 season. But when he gets north of 37, 38, I mean, that's – He's 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 going to be getting up there, and that's where you really see the fall off with starting pitchers, um, especially guys you know power guys like Degrom. Um, we did see a bit of a resurgence with Justin Verlander, but it's kind of re- it remains to be seen you know how long that could be maintained. But you know I think that Justin Verlander made Jacob Degrom a lot of money in this deal. Yeah, man, that's uh, that was interesting. And then um, it seems, I mean, I'm not even really sure what their long-term plan is. They signed Nathan Eovaldi, two-year deal, $34 million. They signed saw that today. Yeah, they signed Andrew Haney, two-year deal, $25 million. Um, when did that one break out? Uh, when that, did that, one break? that was uh, a, a couple weeks ago. Oh, I must have missed that one. Okay. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, they've they've added some, some good starting pitchers. Um, they... They extend uh, Martin Perez. That was just a uh, – actually, I think he accepted the qualifying offer for 19.6. Um, so Perez stays in, in Texas coming off of a strong season. But, I mean, they're not really investing, um, you know, too much in other free agents the way that the oh. Mets are doing. And well, they don't a- really have oh, a ton of – prospects up and down that system or up and down that lineup that all of a sudden are going to click. So I'm not sure really what their long-term goals are, you know, down there in Texas, if you're going to give Jacob deGrom 185 million. Well, and there's another team that I have a question mark on. I don't understand Carlos Rodon going to the Yankees, except it's just a money grab. I mean, yeah, I mean, his, his deal Six years, hundred sixty-two million to go. Because I thought he New was York. locked in with the Giants. Well, yeah, I mean they they wanted him, but um, again, Did he you opt know, out. Well, uh, he was he was a free agent. Um, the Giants wanted oh, okay. him um, to to bring him back, but I think ultimately that the Yankees were the only team willing to go to a sixth year, and he's only thirty years old. So you know he'll be thirty-six when that deal wraps out, which is really not that bad, all things considered, but. He's another guy with an injury history. Um, right. When he's on, he's he's nails. I don't know if he's a really true clear cut number one ace. The no, way he's that, two or three. DeGrom I would have is. two or three in the rotation. Yeah, I think I, he's going to be number two behind Garrett Cole. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's a good number two. He's he's a lefty. Um, $27 million average salary there, 10 less than DeGrom is getting. It looks like a better deal. Um, even going to a sixth year for a 30-year-old is is pretty standard. Um, the only thing is, you know, his his history of of injuries, but I mean, whatever, you know, it's that's kind of the going rate. You know, starting pitchers are always going to ask for another guaranteed year than whatever everyone's asking for them. Um and the first team that offers that extra year is usually going to get the deal done because right. of the injuries and the longevity issues that we see with starting pitching. So rarely do these team or do these types of deals end up uh, being, you know, team friendly. Um, but that's one that could dude. The one that blows me out of the water is two years and 86 million for Justin Verlander. Who's 40. Dude, that is, uh, I, you know what, dude? Every year, you you can count on it like clockwork. Every year, the Mets do a signing that just leaves me going, "What are you doing?" I mean, first of all, how many other teams even would have offered Justin Verlander a second year? Nobody. Like, nobody let's would. start there. There's nobody. <laughs> nobody. Would. And then number two, who the hell is going to offer Justin Verlander who's forty? I don't care. I mean, yeah, he looked great this year. Look fantastic. World you know Series what that champion, is, dude. Whatever. $43 million. No, I'm gonna tell you what, insane. I'm going to tell you what that is. I'm going to tell you what that is. That is the Mets compensating for blowing a 10-and-a-half game lead last year in the division. Yeah, I mean, they're they're for damn sure making sure that it's not going to happen again, you know? Right. So so an asinine deal like that, that's why they're going on this spending spree is mm-hmm. because they were so embarrassed at how much they shit the bed in the division last year. Yeah, it's at least telling your fan base, hey, we're doing everything that we can to prevent that happening again. Right. And I like and now because, of, well, and now because of all these, you know, stupid ass uh, free agent deals that have been done, mm-hmm. there's, there's really nobody left worth a damn. No, I mean, it's everybody really kind of came off the table quickly once it got going it took like a while. i'm looking at a lot i'm looking at the the update <laughs> list one of the yeah, most who's, updated who's lists. even still I'm, available so i'm looking at left-handed relievers dude i just went through everything and all i'm seeing is guys in their early 30s to late 30s i mean this is an old free agent list mm-hmm. um left-handed relievers nobody worth a note i mean i'm not touching Geraldus chapman he's a selfish jackass i don't want him on my team I don't care if he can throw 104 miles an hour. He's not a team guy. No, um, I I think that somebody like Chapman, he's interesting. Somebody will sign him, but it'll be they'll sign him super late, maybe even after the season already gets going. It'll be for you know a very team friendly deal, and it'll be a team who is going to look to flip him at the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see somebody going for like a Zach Britton if you end up needing a bullpen help. Brad Hand is usually a name that uh, commands a lot of attention at the trade deadline. I don't want Sean Newcomb. He's a head case. Um, Will Smith, I mean, he's iffy. It depends on which Will Smith shows up. But you're looking at right-handed relievers. I mean, there's more, <laughs> there's more right-handed relievers on the free agent list this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Juris Familia, didn't he just have a massive uh, suspension? Yeah. So yeah. So I don't want him. But um, he's he's like another trade deadline guy that right. 
a small market team who's not going to contend, you know, they could go out and sign Familia and, you know, maybe he reestablishes himself and then you can get something for him at the deadline. Like Steve, that's, that's that, going to be the angle with a lot of these players that are left. Right. I mean, exactly. See, so okay. So you have Luke Jackson who, you know, how I feel about Luke Jackson, the guy's a head case and you know, he's coming off of Tommy John. So I don't want him Darren O'Day. I don't know. Um, you know, there's, I mean, the Braves did just re-sign Jackson Stevens, who is actually a pretty solid guy that nobody's ever heard of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you got a guy like Jackson Stevens, who if you're in a bind and you need a long relief guy, Jackson Stevens is great. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, there's just really not much, you know, pitching-wise. And I don't think there's much any, like, position-wise either. Well, I mean, I mean, just just going through it, um, Brandon Belt is still out there. You know, powerful left-handed bat. Are you looking at major league? Are you looking at MLB trade rumors? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. No, I'm just. Um, this is on uh, MLB.com. Actually, has a a very comprehensive list. Oh, okay. Um, oh, you know what, dude? I missed some. Okay, yeah, no, I see. Yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, Brandon Belt is still there. He's a guy that could heat up in the right situation and in the right ballpark. Um, you know, he's and, and he's still he's he's, he's thirty five. So again, it's like you said, you know, <laughs> another guy in his mid thirties. Um, interesting name, Runed Odor. I was just uh, looking at him. Yeah, twenty nine years old, second baseman. Obviously, a very streaky hitter. Yeah. Um, but, but again, you know, who wants to touch a guy that's a streaky hitter? I mean, yeah. You know, I, I don't want a guy. If I'm going to go invest resources in a guy, even if it's just a one year deal, I want to know that he's not going to be a streaky guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I so want to. I think, I think that talking about defense and talking about shortstops, I think someone's going to get a steal with Andrew and Simmons. Well, yeah, I mean, Andrelton, I, you know, you know how I feel about Andrelton Simmons too. He was one of my favorite guys before Atlanta traded him to the Angels. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I mean, just going down the list, like Evan Longoria is still sitting here, but he's thirty-seven. Um. He's going to be a stopgap guy the rest of his career. Mm -hmm. AJ <coughs> Pollock, toolsy guy, cannot stay healthy, 35 years old. Um, Adam Duvall is interesting. So Adam Duvall, listen, I have a love-hate relationship with Adam Duvall. So Adam Duvall got injured last year and was out for the season. Right? Mm -hmm. So, because it was, it was a broken hand. Okay? So... At least I think it was a broken hand. But anyways, so Adam Duvall gets knocked out for the year, right? Every single time Adam Duvall faces Atlanta, he kills us. Mm -hmm. He is the, like, you talk about a guy who comes off the bench who could be part of High Lamp, um, who could be part of a, you know, like a platoon situation who can be – not streaky, but reliable. Adam, somebody, the fact that nobody scooped up Adam Duvall yet is stunning. It is, yeah. And, you know, it it could be that injury. Um, broken hands are very difficult to come back from. Sometimes it's, you know, it really affects uh, an entire career. Um, right. Man, there's an outfielder that I'm thinking of who played in Atlanta years ago, center fielder who broke his hand and he was never the same. Was it Jordan? Andrew Jones? No, not Andrew Jones. Um Jordan Schaefer. Jordan Schaefer. I can stand. That's who I'm. Yeah, that that's who I'm thinking of, dude. He 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 had 
that bad hand or maybe it was a wrist injury, never the same again. Completely no. ruined his, his entire Talk career. about a streaky hitter, too. Good God. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, one name that I do want to throw out before we move on, just talking about is still available. I do want to see Trey Mancini get signed. He's still sitting there. Got him. You've got, you know, the universal DH um, across all of baseball now. So there's there's no reason why, you know, a team shouldn't take a chance on Trey Mancini. Again, my guess is that um, it's probably a situation of just who's going to blink first and, and who's going to go, you know, to that third or maybe even a fourth year because he is only 31. So I'm guessing that he's holding out for at least a four-year deal. There's probably teams that are willing to give him like a two-year deal maybe. So my guess is that that's the holdup. But a big, powerful guy like him and his passion for the game um, and coming off of a a World Series run, he's a guy that works in any clubhouse in the sport. And his bat is always going to have pop in there. So – it's kind of surprising to see him still sitting there at this point. So I, I think that he'll get signed, you know, hopefully very soon. Right. Yeah, no doubt, dude. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I mean, pitchers like this is just a graveyard of, of pitching. I mean, free agency is so boring this year, dude. Normally there's always some, there's always some names, but I really think there was only like a, like a, a handful, like a small handful. Yeah, I mean, like, Judge is off the table. You know, he's off the board right away. That was kind of fun, you know, like right. the Giants and the Yankees going back and forth. And the Correa saga is entertaining. Um, but outside of that, a lot of these deals, they just kind of got done, you know, pretty quick. Like Trey Turner, that deal yep. got done very quickly. It was it was surprising, but, you know, um, there was no real, like, bidding war. There was no real, oh, you know, submit your final offer yeah, uh, you know, at the OK Corral at high noon, like like sometimes you see, you know, and and usually a lot of the stuff stretches well into January, but now, right. you know, all the big names are off the board. Um, Dude, I gotta say one thing about Trey Turner because mm-hmm. this really this really bothers me. His slide, I'm I, I'm convinced that that is like straight out of the Matrix. <laughs> it is pretty, like. I, I'm convinced that somebody somewhere is doing CGI every time he slides because that is so clean. I have never seen anything that clean before. I think the slide made him at least an extra two or three million per year on oh, that contract. There's no doubt. You know what, dude? That's being that's being conservative. I think more. Yeah, because that, possible. that is just the sexiest thing I've ever seen. But Sorry, yeah, I just had to. I had I had to throw that out there because that just that just was like, damn. No, it's that, um, it's. it's I'm pretty sure I said just that first time I saw that slide. I was like, damn. It's a thing of beauty, but it's easy to slide when you know there's no play at, at the plate and the ball's in the warning track. Yeah, fair point. That's a very astute point. You are absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I want to see him when he's bearing down on you know Adley Rushman or something like that at the plate, and then see what happens. Dude, talk about. You know, I love that guy. Rush, he was one of my favorite uh, call-ups when he got called up by Baltimore. Mm-hmm. How do you just not love that guy? Yeah, he he looks every bit of you know like a generational talent in Baltimore. But um, he he doomed. looks like he's bringing back the fun of I'm just a kid who loves this game and this is my dream. You know, mm-hmm. he looks like a big kid every time he puts a uniform on and he's at, he's in the game. Yeah, and God, imagine the the free agent deal that that he'll get in. Oh, you know, 
Baltimore five, five years or so. Baltimore's <laughs> gonna be sweating that out. But anyways, that's the story <laughs> the day. But yeah, for sure. So I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with MLB free agency. Big names are off the board. Um, still, some interesting names left that we touched on. Uh, Michael Walk is another one. Just looking through starting pitching. Um, he's only thirty years old. That, that's surprising. Um, but yeah, dude, it feels like he's been in the big leagues for twenty years. <laughs> it seriously does. Um, but dude, like, I don't know what's worse. Like the last, you know, call it six to eight weeks of MLB free agency or the first two to three weeks of college football bowl season that we've had here. Oh my God. But, um, we, we will get into that. And again, before we do, um, I want to remind everybody of our wonderful sponsor Ganzo, uh, who's sponsoring this show in this episode. Um, as you know, Ganzo is a cloud storage solution that allows users to easily drag and drop files to upload them to their accounts. Not only is it super easy, but it's also secure and affordable and allows users to back up all their files without breaking the bank. Ganzo offers reliable storage, fast transfers, and end-to-end -end -end encryption so you don't have to worry about security. I know that everyone's getting scammed this time of year, so having a reliable service that you don't have to worry about being hacked into is a huge plus. Um, Ganzo's also offering special launch deals right now, as well as a free plan where anybody who wants to try Ganzo can get five gigabytes of storage for free. Five gigabytes of easy and secure storage for absolutely free. It's a great deal. Uh, and of course, Ganzo backs all of their plans with a 14-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk in trying any of their cloud storage services. Sign up today at ganzo.io. That's G-A-N-S-O dot I-O and explore their affordable cloud storage solutions and be sure to claim your free five gigabytes of cloud storage today. So you get so good at that every time you do it. Dude, it's easy when I have a great product like Ganzo to talk about. It just We love Ganzo and the copy that they gave you is outstanding. Happy to be working with them. Hopefully, hopefully we can continue to work with them. We love Ganzo. I know that their services have made, have made uh, this show a lot easier. We can share files uh, back and forth super quick. Um, we love Ganzo. It makes our life so easy. It does. Hey, maybe one day we'll see the Ganzo Bowl. I oh, think that that's – Oh, stop, dude. I'm having a hard enough time with the friggin' Cheez-It Bowl. Don't even get hey. started. The, the natural progression of the way that these sponsorships work. I don't know if our listeners know this. But this is always how it goes. You sponsor the Spended Indefinitely podcast, and then after that absolute launching pad of a platform, oh, you, yeah. you go on and you sponsor a college bowl game, usually the college football playoff. <sighs> so, right. So, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, Cheese It approached us to be one of our sponsors on the show. Um, we couldn't come to terms. Uh, it actually ended up that we couldn't come to terms because they never approached us in the first place. Ah, um, yes. Which is kind of like, that's like step one. So that, it, you know, it fell through. Um, put it this way, the medicals didn't work out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it was it was one of those deals with, with the cheese at people. It was, it, was, it my, uh, was it my ankle in 2014 that they didn't it was like your it? Ankle. Yeah, they, they weren't thrilled with, with your ankle when you rolled it, you know, walking out of the bar. Um, after yeah, well, whose fault is that that I rolled my ankle walking out of the bar, you jackass? Yeah, well, it was your fault because you were the only one that wanted to leave. If we stayed at the bar, you never would have left. You never. Oh, no, you're going to blame that. I mean, you know what? I'm done with you. Yeah, Let's keep it's going. A rookie, it's a rookie move. It's a rookie oh, move. Yeah, you're calling me. You know what? You, I'll, we'll talk about this later. I'm done with yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Well, fine. You know what? The bowl games have been shit so far. How about that take? Yeah. Well, yeah, that? that's the best take. <laughs> you have finally sound smart. All right. Let's yeah. go. Keep going. 
Dude, I am so sick of six and six teams playing six and six teams. Not only that, dude, but you know what really pisses me off is I'm so tired of the these like the freaking Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. Do you know that I could probably count on that like you could count the fans on the TV screen how many were there, dude? That there was nobody there, right? Well, I was so, watching the Gasparilla Bowl, and it was the same oh. situation. That one was in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, and it, like yes. there was nobody there. There's no reason why that bowl game has to be at an NFL stadium, dude. Uh, well, okay, so there the Camellia Bowl was in Montgomery, Alabama, and apparently Montgomery, Alabama has a football stadium, which is news to me. And that one just wrapped up like a few hours ago, right? That was earlier right. today. Yeah, Buffalo beat Georgia Southern. Buffalo beat Georgia Southern to go seven and six. Georgia Southern is six <laughs> and seven. So yeah, the another matchup. I ever want to talk about the only time I ever want to talk about Buffalo in college football is when I Buffalo you because you're holding the beer in the wrong hand. <laughs> there, yeah, exactly. So bad, dude. And then like the other one. So Coastal Carolina has Jamie Chadwell as their, I think I said that right as their as their head coach, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm watching that game right now, and it's well, actually yeah. it's so, a blowout the other way than how everyone thought it was going to go. Exactly. So this guy who is getting floated, he got floated for the Auburn job, mm-hmm. right? And I said, please God, do not hire this man. Did this did guy. anybody end up hiring him? No, yeah. no, no, nobody did. And now you see why, because he's losing to East Carolina. I can't believe I have to say that out loud. You know, and then no, um, yeah. Liberty hired him. Oh, that's right. Liberty oh, hired I him. Forgot. Oh, I misspoke. That's right. No, yeah. So, but I mean, it's certainly not, you know, a power five job. No, it's um, not a power five job, but he I mean, was, he was rumored for the Purdue job. He was rumored for Nebraska. Um, right. And he ends up at Liberty. So, I mean, probably. Well, Probably a better, more natural stepping stone, if you want to call it. You, you know, want to talk about another snooze fest, dude? Um, how about Memphis and Utah State? That was a just – I mean, I dude, I could have taken a nap watching Another that matchup of six and six teams. Oh my like, God. New Mexico State and Bowling Green. I mean, really? You know, pretty soon these bowl games are going to be called the Oops, I Stepped on an Ant Bowl. I mean – you know, just there's way too many damn bowl games. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm finally <coughs> sort of interested in a game that's going to start here in about five minutes on Tuesday night, and that is the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Fantastic name. Um, I love all the stupid, cheesy bowl names. Guaranteed Rate is up there with, like, the Duke's Mayo Bowl is a good one. The famous Idaho Potatoes Bowl is a good one. Um, with that eyesore of a football field that Boise State has. Mm-hmm. But um, Wisconsin and Oklahoma State, we finally have you know a matchup of two Power Five conference teams, uh, really two teams whose seasons they didn't really go kind of the way that they wanted. Wisconsin, I knew that they were thinking that they were going to be in contention in the Big Ten West. Um, I know that Oklahoma State uh, started out the season pretty good and then you know kind of tailed off toward the end there. Um, yeah, Gundy's got the best mullet I've ever seen, by the way. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, what does he call it? The the Oklahoma waterfall or? Oh my god! If he names Mississippi it waterfall like that, or just, what did he, he name it? Earned, dude, he just earned so much street cred, in my opinion. Oh my god! The Arkansas waterfall. Yeah, that's what it was. There it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's... So, but dude, I have to root. He's for the a conference. man. I got to root for the conference. I'm rooting for Wisconsin. 
Um, is Fickle going to be coaching that game? No, I don't think so. I think they have an interim head coach. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I dude, that I, I there's no way. If I'm Luke Fickle, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not coaching that game because I'm not. You know, if I'm gonna, if if I if I'm gonna take a hit, it's gonna be while the team plays on my watch. Not dude, on the he game. is, he is, he is, he's he's coaching in that game. Seriously, so, head coaching debut in the Big Ten uh, or not in the Big Ten. But, well, we don't count 2011. 2011 didn't exist. So I'm calling it Luke Fickle's coaching debut in the Big Ten coming up tonight, even though it's not really in the Big Ten because it's a bowl game against Oklahoma State. It doesn't matter. It's Luke Fickle's coaching debut in Wisconsin. I'm excited about it. It's the first bowl game that I've actually sort of been interested in so far. So I'm glad that I'm glad that we're finally into that stretch of bowl season. Yeah, at least you guys have a bowl game this year. The the Christmas hangover is subsiding, and you need another. Like you're saying, all those promises that I made to never drink again. Like maybe, maybe I'll have a drink for the guaranteed rate bowl. Like that's kind of the mindset. And then by the time that Saturday rolls around, then you're really going to be like, okay, it's the CFP now. Like I'm definitely not not ever drinking again. This is like a whole day and it rolls right into New Year's Eve and it keeps going all the way through January 2nd this year, which I'd love. And then on January 3rd, then you can finally say once again, okay, I'm never drinking again, but we're starting to build momentum towards the binge and it starts with the guaranteed rate bowl. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well said. Yeah. So you don't share that. Same enthusiasm for the guaranteed rate poll? Because, dude, I, I'm because of the dumpster fire that was Auburn football this year. Mm-hmm. Um, my attitude on bowl games is very, very, very poor. So I really could care less, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going <coughs> to obviously pull for the Buckeyes because, you know, that's what I do. I pull for the Buckeyes for you. But I like that. Like, I like that you're so bitter that you're just totally over all these bowl no, games. No, I'm so angry and bitter, and I'm going to pull, I'm gonna pull uh, for whoever plays Alabama just because out of spite. Um, you know, because you can't convince me that the referees were not on the take in that game. There's so many bullshit missed penalties in that iron ball. See, look what you did. Now you pissed me off again. I mean, so. Yeah, I don't think the refs is the reason why you guys lost that game. No, well, (laughs) I don't know about that. But we lost it for a lot of things. But, you know, some bullshit-ass penalties in that game and and calls. So, you know, you can't convince me that the referees were not on the take in that game. And I don't care who thinks I'm a crazy person. For saying that out loud. I'll say it out loud. I'll say it out loud as many times as I need to. I don't really care. Well, you know, is is Auburn on the verge of turning it around? I mean, Hugh Freeze had a great signing day. My um, God, did he ever. Dude. Brought in brought in a lot of offensive linemen, a lot of defensive linemen. I mean, that was Which really the, exactly the what bulk of Auburn's signings revolved <laughs> around the line of scrimmage, um, yeah, which so was interesting that, to see. Not only this, dude. But he brought in a guy from Ole Miss who was responsible for DK Metcalf and another receiver that's playing. I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, I, I think he brought in. Uh, I don't know. I have to go back and look at the names. But he's brought in so many guys. Like he brought in. Um, just I mean, I I never thought there were so many guys. He he just there were a lot of guys, and he brought right. them in. 
he he was like, you know what? There's some guys out there, and and we're we're gonna bring them in. We're gonna bring them to oh, Auburn. Oh, you being a smartass now? Is that what you're doing? No, I'm just saying that that's what he did. He was like, right. we're gonna bring some guys in, and that's that's exactly what they did. So, the, what what really matters the most is that we were competing for three and four star guys, which we never would have had the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, under Brian Harson. Okay. So Hugh Freeze and what he had assembled in his coaching staff had two and a half to three weeks to do something. And because of the job they did, they shot up 40 spots in the recruiting class mm-hmm. to sign the top 20 class in three weeks. And Six ESPN you, 300 commits. Um, SEC rank 11 out of 14, which doesn't seem very impressive on paper, but Hugh Freeze is a guy that can go out and find a lot of value that maybe some other teams don't recognize right away. Right. So, I mean, but you said it though, offensive and defensive, um, offensive and defensive ta- uh, help on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Right? And, and one of the better names, I think in this class, the top offensive commit for Auburn wide receiver, Dequavius Sori. Yes. I was so happy when we got him. And then yeah, we flipped sorry, the- sorry about you. We, oh, you see that you think you're funny, but make a t-shirt, good. make a t-shirt. That was a terrible joke. Um, four-star corner, Kyan Lee that we flipped from the bucks. Um, yeah, we had, a major, <laughs> we had a major flip from Florida state and four-star defensive line. <laughs> Patrick Falk. Okay. Six, five, two forty. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the transfer portal was very, very good to us. And, for having, I don't really care about the the SEC ranking because, as far as I'm concerned, what he's what Hugh Freeze and staff did in three weeks versus having a full recruiting period, I will take what we got. We got some studs on on the offensive and defensive line of scrimmage. And dude, I mean, Texas A and M has proven exactly how much um, you know re- recruiting rankings matter. Well, and I'm going to tell you something else right now. Jimbo Fisher is not somebody I would ever take recruiting advice from. Mm-hmm. If I was a, if I was a reporter in that press conference, I would find a way to sneak in some noise canceling headphones, and I wouldn't even pay attention to a damn thing he says. As far as I'm concerned, Jimbo Fisher is lucky to have a job right now. The way he shit the bed this entire season was a joke. I think that AM has the most players currently right now in the transfer portal. And you know what? As they should, because the way that he managed that team this year is absurd. Mm-hmm. And you don't think that they would fire his ass with $50 million left on his buyout? I know they would, because they have that Texas oil money behind them, their board of regents or trustees or whatever the hell he calls them. Mm-hmm. They absolutely would fire him. And I think if it wasn't for Jameis Winston, Jimbo Fisher would never be a head coach in college football. Hmm. So, well, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe I, maybe not at this level, right now. He, he probably doesn't have the prestige, you know, behind his name. Hey, hey um, wait, hold on, dude, hold on, real quick. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we got to backtrack to another topic, right quick. Well, um, we don't have to go in order. The notes don't matter. No, no, this, I, I know, I know, I know, but we need to go back to free agency because this just broke over the wire. Um, um what do you got? Braves, the Braves signed Sean Murphy to a six-year, $73 million deal with a $15 million club option for oh, 2029. Extension, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant to say, extension. Sorry. So yeah. that so, takes him takes him through his arbitration. There's, yeah, yeah that's, good. that's a good deal. Yep. Yeah. 
Anyway, sorry, I just had to go back and cover that. No, six, but anyways, six and we 73 saying, for like a gold glove caliber catcher with some pop in his bat and yep. young young guy who they just trade for. Um, very much kind of the Matt Molson playbook. Uh, right. Pretty much exactly with that signing. So, yeah. Right, right, right. So the other thing I wanted to say too real quick, dude, and then I, and then we can move on, is um, just, just about Auburn football. We finally have a coach who knows how to develop a quarterback. We have not had that, and I cannot even tell you how long. Probably since I was a student there. So I'm very excited to see what Hugh Freeze can do with guys like Robbie Ashford, with a guy like Hank Brown, who we just got as a freshman, and you know whoever else we get in the transfer portal. I'm, I just I can't wait to see him develop a quarterback, which I'm just thrilled about. Yeah, well, they've they've got a long way to go. Um, oh no, I know it's not it's not going to be an overnight thing, but I mean, there's cause to be hopeful, which we haven't had in what seems like a long time. Yeah, uh, I just Alabama absolutely cleaned up um, number one recruiting class in the country, uh, top ten you know recruits nationally on both sides of the ball. Um, Georgia's right behind them, second ranked class according to ESPN. Uh, 20 ESPN 300 commits, um, you know, top top 100 guys, top 20 guys. Um, looks like they were kind of getting it done with with volume um, rather than going after like really elite guys. Miami Hurricanes, number three overall class. That's surprising. That's interesting. That is very surprising. Um, you know, Mario Cristobal down there it certainly has – or had a horrible season, probably comparable to Jimbo Fisher's season at Texas A&M and just completely shitting the bed and underperforming. But didn't uh, Miami have a lot of injuries? I don't know. I don't care about the ACC. So <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Probably. I mean, yeah, maybe they were injured. Maybe they just didn't play well. Maybe they were overrated. Who knows? But number three class um, for them, Oklahoma, number four, Lincoln Riley's always going to recruit well. Um Top commit for them is Jackson Arnold, number eight overall player in the country. Another quarterback coming into um, Oklahoma, uh, you know, following, I should say, following the Lincoln Riley era. This is a the type of class that Oklahoma needs to kind of turn things around and maybe get back uh, to being at the top of the Big 12 after Lincoln Riley departs. Um, yeah. And then finally, number five, Texas Longhorns. Everyone knows about Arch Manning coming in a quarterback for them. Um, looks like they got a lot of really good defensive recruits as well. Uh, Anthony Hill, a linebacker. Um, got some wide receivers, some top 300 wide receivers as well. Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblick coming in, who will be nice targets for Arch Manning. So um, good class there. So again, like at the top of the recruiting ranks, you're seeing, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, that's that's pretty standard. Um, Notre Dame, LSU, Oregon, Florida, and Ohio State round out the top 10. Um, so again, like with the NIL era, we're still seeing the usual suspects at the top. Do you think that NIL is really going to continue to be an asset in recruiting or is it going to be more – more players saying, okay, I want to go to a program like Georgia because they're always in the CFP and I'm not going to take a lot of NIL money to go there as a recruit, 
But after a couple of years, I know that I'll be starting for them and I know that I'll get NIL, NIL deals as a starter once I'm established with them that are going to be bigger than I would have ever gotten as a recruit. So like, do you think it, do you think it's really a necessary part of the recruiting process or do you think that NIL money comes into play later on? Well, I think it comes into play later on because I think every team and every coach and every school has a different recruiting mentality because here's, you know, you got guys like Ryan Day who made a vow to never use NIL. Right? Mm-hmm. He's recruiting on the merits of what he's got. Well, you know what, you know, what's going to happen if Ohio state continues to stumble and you know, Maybe some guys are like, oh, maybe I want to go look at that team up north, or maybe I want to go look at these other teams, blah, blah, blah. Well, how quickly might he change his tune? And I'm not singling out them. I'm, that was just the first team that came into mind. Jimbo Fisher, right? He shits the bed last year. How quickly does he start turning his you know, opinion around on um, NIL, and does he start to um, – say, okay, maybe we need to go back and reevaluate this because if we can get guys here by giving them NIL money versus losing out to other teams like Georgia, Georgia doesn't have to use NIL money because they've got their record every single year. They're always in it, like you said. But when you got teams that, you know, dominate and then shit the bed and then need to get back to dominating, okay, well, then how quickly do you think they're going to change their tune? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I I, I think, think it's going to give teams different. it's it's going to give teams another tool to use in recruiting if they want to yes. and if they're, if they're able to and it's going to give those mid-level teams, you know, maybe a Tennessee, maybe traditionally a Texas A&M, you know, kind of like they were when it came to recruiting. Um it's going to give those kind of mid, like a a TCU. Um it's going to give those types of teams that typically aren't in the top 10 recruiting a chance to maybe jump up into the top 10 or even the top five, um, like we saw with you know Texas A&M last year. Um, but it's, it's also kind of a dangerous game to play because then you end up with a bunch of players that, I mean, one, you know, perhaps they're less motivated because they've got a few million sitting in the bank account as an 18-year-old. Um, maybe they're not committing to a school that they feel is the best for their development and for the type of player that they are. And they're just going there for the money when in reality, maybe it's not the best environment for them to thrive. Um, But then there's, there's the other side of it too. And there was a directive from the NCAA that said, do not use NIL offers as a part of the recruiting process, but there's no, there's no way to stop it. There's no way to enforce it. Um, The suggestion was that these, these players, while they're still in high school and they're making these decisions about committing, they're still high school athletes. So you can't guarantee them a certain amount of money as a high school athlete, but they don't get that money until they actually set foot on campus. So there's no way to actually really enforce it. It's like you're not allowed to have an agent, you know, if you're an amateur player, but you're allowed to have an advisor. So it's like there's a huge loophole there. Obviously, Texas A&M is a program that has exploited that loophole and that doesn't give a shit about the directive. But Ryan Day, at least for now, um, and I believe Jim Harbaugh did as well. Um, I think most, if not all, of the Big Ten coaches, and I'm only speaking for the Big Ten because that's that's what I know, um, they have all kind of loosely agreed anyway to not use NIL money as a part of the recruiting process. Um we did see NIL come into play 
when Ohio State flipped Quinn Ewers from from Texas. So kind of broke your own rule right there. But that was like that was a flip, you know, rather than a signing day um, commitment, you know, like we saw with signing day earlier this week. So that's that's kind of it. I I, I would love to see it going. I, I would love to see NIL stay out of recruiting. I don't think 18-year-olds have any business running around with millions of dollars before, <laughs> before they've even played a game for their universities. So I want to see NIL taken out of recruiting. Um, I would still love to see it, you know, obviously implemented later on after players are established. I mean, yeah, you know, if, if you're if you're the face of college football, you know, let's say um, – if you're Arch Manning and you're the starting quarterback as a freshman at the University of Texas, you should not, you should then be able to make money off of your name um, for sure. So that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Anyway. NIL is here to stay. Oh yeah, it's absolutely here to stay. I mean, cats out of the bag. There's there's no there's no you know putting it back in. Um, you've already opened Pandora's box for that, and the amount of lawsuits and litigation that it would take to take NIL money off of the table. Um, I think that you are going to see a push to take it away from initial recruiting, Um, but it's still going to be in transfers. It's still going to be obviously as players are established at their universities. Um, And if you take it out of initial recruiting, you're, you're just going to see it in the transfer portal. You know, it's like, okay, cool. You went to wake forest for one year. Well, you know, we'll, we'll give you a million bucks if you want to now come to, you know, Notre Dame. So all of that's going to happen. Yep. I'm with you. And it's, I mean, this really is the era of free agency in college football. Um, I mean, it was what Arizona brought in like 40 something new players or whatever it was uh, just through the transfer portal and and recruiting. Um, We're seeing it with coach prime. Dude, I didn't have Coach Prime in, in our notes for the show, but rookie, dude, this is well. I mean, it's weird because like we've been off two weeks, and all the Coach Prime shit happened two weeks ago, and we were going to talk about it until neither one of us had a voice and could speak. Um, dude, or, or yeah, I don't know what straight for uh, for an hour, but dude, Coach Coach Prime said it best. Like Coach Prime, what he said, it it really defines this era right now in college football where, where he said, I'm coming, I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie. And he points at his kid who's in the crowd who isn't even, I mean, not the crowd, like in the room that they're in, you know, in, in their football room where their breakdown film is what it looked like. But he points to Sh- Shadur and he says, Hey, that's your starting quarterback. Meanwhile, Shadur still has a, a championship game left to play at Jackson state. Um, and he's not even enrolled at, at Colorado, yet he's in the room and Coach Prime's telling all of his guys, that's your starting quarterback. Like, we are heavily ingrained in the the era of free agency of college football right now. Like, what Coach Prime is doing it, he's doing it very obviously. He's saying, yeah, hit that portal because I'm going to bring other guys in. And that's just how it is. You know, like, there's no – there's no loyalty from any of these coaches anymore. And there's certainly no loyalty from any of these players anymore. And it's like the wild West. So I think ultimately it's going to hurt, you know, it's going to hurt the game on some level, but I mean, here we are talking about it. We just talked about how shitty all these bowl games are. At least we can still talk about, you know, recruiting and NIL and the transfer portal and and all that. So maybe it's a good thing. Definitely. But dude, um, we do have to wrap this up, but there's one last thing that that I'm, I'm curious if you saw this. I want your input. Um, we talked about the Cheez-It Bowl opening this segment. 
did you see what a cheesable representative said today? No. So here, I'll break it down for you. Florida State beat writer Carter Carrolls. I hope I'm saying that right. Carter Carrolls or Carrolls. Um, he's a beat writer for Florida State. They're playing in the Cheesa Bowl. Um, he claims that a representative of the Cheesa Bowl, so somebody who works, you know, for for Cheez-Its or at least has a relationship with them, um, claimed that one Cheez-It is, is just a Cheez-It. So if you eat a Cheez-It, you are just eating a Cheez-It. If you are eating more than one Cheez-It, you are not eating Cheez-Its. You are eating Cheez-It crackers. What what a clown. That's there's so there's no there's no multiple of the word cheese it. It's, <coughs> it's wow, I really want a cheese it right now. Or it's wow, I could really go for some cheese it crackers right now. You know what? I'm gonna keep what saying cheese it. This is some clown trying to get his some ink on social media, you know, and trying to go viral because now we're in the we're in the era of the journalist influencers, okay? So this is a guy who's trying to become some hotshot, getting his name out in Twitter so that big entities like Fox Sports and ESPN will scoop him up. It's, an, it's, okay? a, it's a national story. This I literally I got call, the breaking news on my phone from ESPN about this. Oh, my story. God. This is what I call the Skip Bayless School of Journalism, okay? Not a lot of fact, a whole lot of bloviating, not to mention with a little floater of, of dumbness, okay? That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. The fact that that even anybody's even talking about that is ridiculous. And you know, Elon Musk, if you're listening, censor that on Twitter because that's stupid. I don't think that we should censor it. I think that we should blow this up and show how ridiculous it is. And I'm not even going to refer to the Cheese Bowl anymore as the Cheese Bowl. I'm going to come up with a different name Call for it. The it. Bowl. Maybe it's the Saltine Bowl. I think I'm going to go with the, the Saltine Bowl. Actually, I'm going to keep saying Cheez-Its because I know it's going to bug this guy. So, you know. So just guy, call it the Cheez-Its Bowl. Yes, absolutely, because that's going to piss off that Florida State writer, and I'm fine with that because that guy's I like that too. Him. Well, I mean, it's, you know, he's just reporting it, so I don't know if he agrees with it or not. He's just saying, hey, like this is what I was told from the Cheez-Its Bowl people, that if no, you say Cheez-Its, it. it's not actually a thing. But I don't buy it. I, 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 <laughs> Maybe I he made the whole thing up. Maybe it's fake news. Maybe he just saw an opportunity and he's like, you know what? I'm going to say that I have this source deep within the Cheez-Its Bowl and I'm going to make this story because no one gives a shit about the Cheez-It Bowl. Dude, so I'm going to I'm gonna make it mean something. Dude, I'm telling you, journalist influencers, they want to be influencers now. That's all they care about. Okay? So when you blow up a story like that that's all you want you want clickbait well all of a sudden it's got everybody talking about the cheese it bowl right and then whose name is attached to it cheese it's no carter's okay carter yeah well carter a, carter broke the story right because he wants to be an influencer so he's gonna find some stupid ass thing there's another journalist influencer whose name i can utter but i don't want to because i don't want to give her the, the satisfaction or credit of it but um, you know, there's, he, he's going to take something dumb and he's going to circulate it. It's going to blow up and his name's going to be on it. So he gets the cred for it. I can't stand journalists like that. It drives me crazy. I'm looking at it now. I always thought it was on the box. It said, cheese it's 
but okay, it never so has. Cheez-It is one, right? Cheez-It is one cracker, right? Yeah, so why on the box wouldn't you put Cheez-Its? Right. So if I What have if you open the box and crackers, it's just one Cheez-It? So one Cheez-It is one cracker, right? Yeah. What do I have if I have a handful? That's, you know, what's the plural of Cheez-It? You have che- you have a handful of Cheez-It crackers. No, I have a handful of Cheez-Its because any normal person with half a brain would see that Cheez-Its is plural to Cheez-It. That's all I want to say about this topic. So, see, stupid. I think this is bullshit. I'm looking at the Cheez-It box right now. The word cracker doesn't appear anywhere on the fucking box. Thank you. So, so it, it, says, he, yeah. it says Cheez-It. And, okay, <laughs> to their credit, at least on, on, on this box, on the, this fine... What is this, Granger? They sell Cheez-Its at Granger? That's news. Um, okay. Oh, perfect example. Hold on. What does this box say? This says Cheez-It, and then underneath it, it says baked snack crackers. Right. And on so the box- So you think I'm going to say, oh, give me a hand of baked snack crackers? No, get out of no. here. No. There's, there's three Cheez-Its on this particular box, but it does say crackers. So, like, which way, how are we feeling about that? But then on this other box, okay, so from Amazon, you can buy cheeses on Amazon. That's good to know. Next time I get sick, I'm going to prime deliver myself some cheeses. Um, so this particular box, it says cheese it. Oh, very, okay, very small on the side, actually. Vertically, it says baked snack crackers. But it, it just has one cheese it on the box. I don't know. They're going to have to figure this out. I'm even more turned off about the cheesable after this than I already was. I'm definitely still calling it Cheez-Its. I hope that whoever wins the Cheez-It Bowl, whatever coach wins, I hope they get doused in Cheez-Its. And that when they get doused in Cheez-Its, I hope that they say it was a Cheez-Its bath and not a Cheez-It crackers bath because I'd be very upset and I'd probably never watch college football ever again. No, this whole thing upsets me and annoys me to no end. Yeah. So to bring back. Why'd you have to leave off of the topic that's going to piss me off? Because that's what we do. That's when that's you're a sports fan, you're always pissed off. You're never happy. <clears throat> there's always more that your team can do. Or there's there's always some you know play that you're pissed off about or some game that you're pissed off about. You're not allowed to be a passionate sports fan and really experience any joy. So that's why we have to wrap up this week with the Cheez-Its controversy. Yep. At least until next week. But man, I mean, a big weekend of sports. CFP on Saturday. I'm never drinking again, probably until either the guaranteed rate poll tonight or certainly all day long on Saturday because it kicks off with the Sugar Bowl and it goes all the way through with Ohio State versus Georgia at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, it's New Year's. It's unbelievable. Then there's the NFL the next day. Like, it's nuts. So next week, we'll certainly have a bunch to talk about. Um, But that'll do it for this week. Anything else that you want to add, Ryan? Um, I can't wait until you send me the uh, first text message after you broke your I'm never drinking again rule because you and I both knew you're full of shit if you say you're never drinking again. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. As soon as I can stop hacking up my lungs here, um, yep. then we'll see. But, you know, maybe if the guaranteed rate bill gets good later tonight, uh, 
might have to break open the bourbon a little bit and figure it uh, out and celebrate, especially if the Big Ten Conference is is in position to win. So figure anyway, that'll do it for Ryan Noonan. I'm Justin Reschke. Hopefully we'll have Alex Gratis back with us next week. Hopefully we'll stop hacking up our lungs next week. Because yep. um, we'll certainly have a lot to talk about. It'll be a big show. Thank you so wish much for home. tuning hey, in. Wish me luck. Wish me luck. I'm flying home tomorrow. Hopefully. Uh, oh God. South. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Avoid Southwest. And um, if you see anybody there from the Cheese Bowl, kick them in the shins. Yep. Done. Later. Done buddy. for Ryan Newton. I'm Justin Reschke. Later. Peace. <laughs>